Hey there, and welcome to Why Is That Important, where regular people come for interesting ideas and perhaps a little debate. I'm your host, Joe Wanger, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Martin. Hello. And uh, each week we have the privilege of interviewing someone who has something they feel is important enough to talk about, and we take the time to discuss it and perhaps even disagree on it. Um, so, Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Joe. I, uh, I had the privilege and uh, honor of taking the day off of work and staying home with my kid because our child care fell through today. So, uh, <laughs> the privilege. So I got to play stay-at-home dad, and that was uh, an adventure to say the least. How are you doing, Joe? I remember doing the stay-at-home thing, man. It's uh, it's interesting. It's a different um, world. Yeah. So I, one of the things weird for me this week is uh, I'm traveling. As I mean, obviously we've talked about it a little bit here beforehand, but um, nothing like I feel like traveling is is not for like traveling, staying in a hotel. It's it's not for the weary. And it's not for the extrovert, <laughs> like <laughs> staying in a hotel by yourself when, uh, when you really love being around people, uh, sounds like a Mecca to some, um, but to the extrovert, it's like, uh, and I, I like, I have a company vehicle, so it's not like I can go hang out in places. Cause you know, we, we kind of talked about this, but there's like, there's like bars, maybe there's other things, but, um, you know, I can't, it's, it's harder to take the, the company vehicle around and, and do that stuff. So, but yeah. So there, are there coffee shops where you're at in, in the uh, area? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that'd be, a, that'd be a, a place where nobody would say, why'd you, why'd you go to a coffee shop? And you say, well, I wanted to get work done and they had free Wi-Fi that was better than the hotels or some such. And That's you might true. be able to meet interesting people there. Just strike up a conversation with somebody in their latte. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Instead, I'm going to go uh, get a haircut and see a movie and <laughs> nice, nice, <laughs> and hang out. Um, and if I'm, if I'm really diligent, I'll do some studying um, for some stuff that, that I've been, been kind of working on, but just a little disclaimer um, for those of you listening, you know, if you hear any weird sounds or noises or anything, um, it's the other lovely guests. Um, I also discovered um, that the ceiling in here is uh, purely concrete brick, <laughs> so I'm like I'm like in a mild echo chamber. It's not. It's actually surprisingly not too bad when I'm in here. But when I was recording stuff earlier to test, it was not good. It was a lot of bouncing around. So I got myself surrounded by pillows. Sounds comfy. <laughs> it's it's not. They're just on the wall. <laughs> but uh so yeah so um so today we originally were gonna have uh, a different guest and it just didn't work out and so andrew and i decided you know let's just talk about something that's important to us uh, let's just interview each other and so uh I, we're gonna actually talk today um andrew came up with this topic about you know why politics and religion uh, should still be on the conversation list you know, a lot of times in, in today's world, we kind of limit people, like, like people get so annoyed because religion and politics, I think come up a lot. And so it's easier, easier just to say, forget it. I don't want to talk about it, um, or, and avoid it, especially in, in today's 24 seven news society. 
Uh, I think we're bombarded with it. And so Andrew is uh, positing the idea here that um, these things should still be in our regular conversations and we can still have, you know, friendly, good conversations where we're not just yelling at each other. And I know this has kind of been a, a, like a slight theme um, throughout uh, politics comes up. Whenever you talk about communicating with each other, politics is such an easy thing to go to because it it, it really does um, show us how two sides don't get along. And it's a very distinct, uh, the very distinct metaphor and not metaphor, but uh, example that we can see. And we all have that one friend on each side that you just kind of go scroll past on the Facebook feed or <laughs> av- avoid when at the party, when they start coming up and start talking about this stuff, you know? So, so Andrew, why do you feel like that it's still important to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So, to begin with, uh, the one thing I would want to say is um, everybody has a stance. Even if your stance is, I don't have a stance, that's a stance. Uh, in, in politics and in religion, um, you really can't be agnostic. I mean, I guess agnostic is in some form a religion, but even then there's certain things that come with being there that you have to defend why you choose to be agnostic. Um and so because of that, people have really strong feelings about what it means to, to their identity, what their political or religious viewpoint is. And so that's why it can, it can become so contentious. If you tell somebody your religious or political viewpoint is wrong and here's why, even if, if you're right or if you're wrong, it doesn't really matter. If you make the statement you're wrong about one of these two things, you're basically stabbing at the core of their identity. Um, and that's why, in my opinion at least, that's why it can be so conscientious, uh, contentious, that's the word I'm looking for, contentious, <laughs> to have those discussions. Because people don't like being you know, mentally or intellectually or emotionally assaulted at the very center of their identity. Um, however, that being said, why is it important to still have that conversation? If I just, if I just got finished saying that you know, nobody likes emotional or intellectual assault... Um, the reason it's still important is because those two things are so central to how you make decisions, how you understand the world, how you see other people, how you interact with other people, that it's, it's very, very important uh, that those two things evolve over time as you learn and mature and are exposed to new ideas and new thoughts. And that does happen to everybody to some extent. I mean, I don't think I know anyone who believes the same thing when they're uh, you know, 26 as they did when they were 16, as they did when they were six about how the world operates. You know, when you're six, you're pretty sure your dad is, you know, the most all-powerful person you've ever met. He just chose to be a farmer or an accountant or what have you, instead of being a, you know, professional baseball player. He could have been if he wanted to. Uh, he could, he could easy, you know, hammer, hammer a baseball, 98 mile an hour fastball out over the, uh, far fence if he wanted to, but he just decided not to. And by the time you're 16, you realize that's not even remotely true. And by the time you're 26, you realize that's never even going to be remotely true for you either. <laughs> and maybe you were never deluded, but some of us were. Uh, anyway, so that's why it's important to be able to actually talk about this and to look at it and say, okay, here's what I used to believe, and here I think is why, and here's why it's changing. And if you're unwilling to do that when people talk to you about it, 
then how do you how do you make an informed change? Then you're open to manipulation. You're open to uh, um, you're open to people who know how to play on your emotions. Basically, I want to see people have good intellectual and emotional training around some of the central core ideas of who they are and what makes them them, so that when they have these conversations, it's not an assault so much as it is uh, a deliberation. Somebody says, I think you're wrong and here's why. And they say, hmm, I hear what you're saying um, and I understand why you think that and I disagree and here is points A, B, and C of why I disagree with your central statement. And uh, however, I will take into account you know, this one um, situation that you brought to my attention. I hadn't really thought about that before and now I will believe something slightly different. Now, I don't think it ever goes quite that cleanly, but uh, I think it's important for people to leave room for both politics and religion to be discussed because they are very, very central to who you are. So let's, let's take politics in the, in the first case. Um, we don't want a country full of people who don't discuss ever how they think the country should be run. Um, and you say, well, you know, that's not something I really enjoy talking about. I understand, but we all live in this country together. And if we only wait, you know, once every four years for the people who only like to vote in presidential elections, or once every two if you're only into presidential and congressional midterm, or some of us like to vote twice a year every year because there's primaries and, and general and elections for something basically every year. So if you're not voting twice a year every year, you're probably, you're definitely missing some elections. Um, so if we don't have discussions about what we want to see our electoral politics evolve as, uh, they wind up becoming very balkanized, fractured, like uh, fractured in small bits and pieces, and um, we don't have a, a coherent narrative between people as what the goal of government is. Some people think the goal of government is to uh, control everything that's outside of an individual's control to make sure that you know anything that goes wrong someone takes care of it, or some people think that the government's role is to make sure nobody invades, and pretty much that's it. They, you know, once you cross into America, federal government has nothing, nothing more to say. Um, those are two extreme cases, um, and that's why I use them. But I think that's that illustrates the idea that if those two people were living in the same country, when it came time to vote for, say, a president once every four years... They're never going to be able to agree, even if one of the options is a terrible, terrible, terrible option, and the other one is just an, just a terrible, terrible option. Um, but if you have communication about that, it's much more clear, both to the observers and the participants, who believes what and why, and people, especially politicians, will know how to govern in a way that is both effective and um, well-regarded. I think we're all aware of Congress's epically low approval rating, in part because uh, as a government, you would expect them to govern, and yet they fail to pass laws that meaningfully improve the lives of its citizens, which is the you know, core essence of government. So that's, that's why politics shouldn't be off the table. And religion, religion deals with how you live your life, how you live your life, what happens after you live your life, and so on and so forth. And if that's not in important topic, I don't know what is. Um, so if people are unwilling to talk about the very fundamental uh, um, mechanisms by which they make decisions and interact with the world and understand who they are and what their purpose is and so on and so forth, if they're not even willing to discuss that, 
um, then I think they're setting themselves up for disappointment and failure. At the very least, I'm a Christian, so you know I believe strongly that um, we were put on this planet and in this universe by a God who loves us, so on and so forth. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, I would point you to the Gospel Coalition because they can say it better, more clearly, and more accurately than I can. Um, so, But if I believe that and I meet someone who doesn't know what they believe, but they're unwilling to talk about it, they might, I want, I'm not even going to say might, they will at some point in time ask themselves the question, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? What am I doing? How Am I meant to interact with the world around me? And, and what good am I? Am I valuable? Does anybody care? When I die, am I, are my molecules and atoms just going to return from whence they came? And that will be the end of this person that I currently call me? And all those kind of questions. And if you don't have cogent answers to them, I, don't, I mean, I really don't even care what your answers are. If you don't have coherent, thought out, well-defined answers to those questions, you're going to be miserable. You'll have, I'm not going to say you won't have joy and fun and happiness and all those things at some point in time, um, but you'll keep coming back to the fact that you don't know what your purpose is, and that's really, really difficult to keep away and to keep yourself out of a, I'm not going to call it clinical depression, but some level of ongoing sadness. Um, and so that's why I think it's important for people to have those conversations and understand what religions are out there, how they answer these questions, um, and and understanding you know, when a Muslim, one Muslim says, you know, Islam is about, is a peaceful religion, and another Muslim says, I want to kill Westerners in the name of Islam, like, why do they say that? Where does that come from? If you're not willing to talk about religion, you'll never understand why different Muslims see the Quran and Islam so very differently. So that's why I think both politics and religion should still be part of friendly, casual conversation. So I guess... Obviously, I want to dive into each one of these topics uh, specifically, um, just because I find I find I find the religion conversation fascinating, and I do like talking about politics. Um, but we took a pact to not do that for a while. Um, but so, I, my question is: do do you feel like people are even capable of talking in the way that you're you're speaking about anymore? Because it feels like the world that we live in, people are, most people are unable to actually have uh, intellectual conversations that aren't, that don't just boil down into um, us being ticked off at each other because neither one can convince the other of, of their side. Sure. Um, a lot of people can't. It takes training. Um, and so when I say that politics and religion should still be on the menu of polite conversation, um, what I'm also saying by pointing that out is that people should be willing to do the hard work of understanding what they believe and being and understanding that that changes over time and being willing to allow what other people say to in, impact and influence and change what they believe about those things. And that's that takes training. Just like, so I have a almost 10-month-old and I'm watching him learn to walk and he does a lot of things really poorly when it comes to walking. But I know in time, by keeping continuing to do it and by trying and trying and you know getting up even after he's literally physically bru bruised, um, he will learn to walk. And the same with those kind of conversations. If if you can have, 
find somebody who's friendly but has, holds a different viewpoint, whether it be religion or politics, and say, look, I know we're not going to change each other's mind. I'm not going to make you into me. You're not going to make me into you. But let's talk about why we believe what we believe in a friendly way. And if you start feeling abused and hot under the collar and like you really want to, you know, take this to fisticuffs, take a, let me know. Take a step back. You know, I'll, 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 <laughs> and yes, exactly. We'll punch our surrogates here because then we're not fighting each other. But no, um, but take a moment, relax a little bit and say, OK, why do I feel so offended? Why do I feel so offended that they don't believe in this very clear and obvious truth that I know? And then, you know, be willing to ask them that. Like, why don't you believe in this very clear and obvious truth that I know? No, I would coach you to couch that in much more palatable language rather than like, why are you an idiot? But ask instead, why do you believe something different? Um, So an example of this, I was listening to NPR, which I don't care what you think about NPR. I think they do good reporting. Um, and they were talking about how when coastal elite reporters come to places like Southern Ohio or Kentucky, and as this reporter put it in, put they parachute in and ask people, you voted for Donald Trump. Do you regret that now? It's like, that's the wrong question to be asking. And the question you should be asking is, um, what, you know, how did your life and your experiences influence your decision to vote for Donald Trump and what are you hoping he's going to do? And that's the the answer to that question is a much more nuanced and interesting and probably different from person to person and region to region than do you regret voting for Donald Trump now? Because nobody wants to admit like I screwed up. It was what what is this? This is June. So it was 8 months ago. And I decided to vote for a man, and now I regret it. I was an idiot. I'm so sorry. I should do everything New York or San Francisco tells me. Nobody's going to say that, especially not the kind of people that these reporters typically seem to f- to to find somehow, as if they have some kind of <laughs> some kind of poor white people radar. Um, <laughs> but I think so. Uh, I mean, just using this example, I think part of the infotainment. Um, industry is they're not looking to ask the good questions. Um, they're looking to get a reaction from these people that makes these people look just as stupid um, as they want them to be because you're right. Nobody's going to admit that. And they're going to usually be probably be in some sort of a defensive position uh, based off of that question. Um, and, so, and it doesn't bring about cogent conversation. So if, if the professional news media all they can do is ask offensive questions that put people in the defensive and don't change minds. Why are we so surprised that it's difficult for us as a culture to do that? Well, that's what I'm um, thinking I, here. It, it, it that's, almost that's feels like I, a circular I wanna, argument. Like, like well, we, and that's why I, I want to place some of the blame at the foot of the people who their professional job is to ask, question, ask hard questions and find the truth and answers and tell other people about it. But I think uh, too many people, too many professional media types um, have abdicated that in favor of the quick buck in the form of higher ratings or click-throughs or what have you um, in search of the almighty dollar. And don't get me wrong, uh, ad-supported... Um, news producing is definitely a very worthwhile 
and worthy model. It's been proven time and time and again. However, there are certain failures to it, and one of those is that the reactionary question, asking a question that gets a, uh, either from your the person you're asking it or from your viewer, preferably both, because now you have emotional engagement on a level uh, of both people, um, that is more profitable. And ultimately, your shareholders are the ones who are seeking seeking a return. However, I you know I'm not advocating for some kind of uh, state-run model or guaranteed funding model or something like that because I think that really allows there's a lot of stagnation that occurs when <clears throat> excuse me when you do that for uh, the media. But I want the media to understand that this is a trap that they're capable of falling into. And even though, you know, media outlet X is willing to do these emotional, um, really uh, uh, reactionary stories in order to get better ratings, I wish there was someone saying, look, I understand that that's what they're doing. It's not going to pan out for them in the long run. It might even work for a decade. It might even work for 40 years. But there's going to come a time when we're seen as much more reasonable, much more impartial. Now, admittedly, the owner might be like, 40 years, we might not be here. And that's, you know, that's something I don't have a real good answer to. But I do want to say we need good examples from the top all the way on down, from the media, from people in, in, in places of power. Uh, and I think of elected officials as well. Uh, I would love to see elected officials be willing to change their mind. And we, when Obama got elected and John Boehner said our number one goal is to make Obama a one-term president, that's not somebody who should be in government. That is somebody who really should be relegated to an elementary school uh, playground, basically. Not him himself, that might be a problem, but that attitude. Because that's, that's essentially being a bully. If you're unwilling to compromise, why on earth should you be allowed? Why should you have the privilege of governing? Governing is all about compromising. So I do want to put place some blame at people who hold positions that can influence people, and they choose to... To, to not engage in these kind of conversations. And because they're choosing not to, that's why it's your and my job to learn how to do that well and create a new generation of people who are willing to engage in meaningful, deliberative, friendly conversation about complex topics such as politics and religion. Yeah, but so I hear what you're saying. And I mean, obviously, I think I, in general, I, I agree with you. I'm just trying to think for the... For the person who, uh, maybe more simply said, like ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and so it's like hard for me to see how you can get people to care because I, I do think generally we all agree that the media, um, the media and those and public figures in general, um, whether they be like somebody who's famous or a politician, um, bears bears a bunch of, of the weight of, of giving us the content that we've, we've asked for essentially. Um, like everyone agrees that the media kind of sucks right now and they're just doing things for ratings. Like I don't think I've ever heard anybody argue against that. Um, well then let me push back a little bit. I think there are some sources out there of really, really good journalism. I'm going to point to the Washington post because they have one shareholder, Jeff Bezos and Jeff Bezos apparently was basically like, look, I want this to be the best journalism out there. That's why I bought a newspaper. So they're not necessarily, they're not pushing for the Amazon? almighty dollar first. Yeah, that's Amazon? the guy that owns okay. Amazon. Right. And then course. secondly, 
Um, secondly, I look at NPR, and NPR is a place that is funded from the contributions of hundreds of thousands of individuals rather than ad-supported. Now, you do have to put up with your local NPR stations, please send us money, a couple of times a year. But, on the other hand, they're not beholden to anyone. And so I think those two sources come to mind quite easily as places that do pretty good independent journalism. Now, I think places like the Boston Globe, the Wall Street Journal, and even to some degree the New York Times, although that really depends on who we're talking about. There's some good apples and bad apples there. Um, and I think there are also politicians that do it well. They're fewer and further between, but if you start looking at state and county level, especially, and school boards, you'll find that people who need to solve problems and actually get things done, where, where that's happening, you'll find people that are willing to make some of these difficult decisions, but they don't have the profile often, the, the stature that, say, presidents or congressmen or senators or so and so, so on and so forth do. Right, and that's, that's kind of, it's kind of, you're, kind of making my point like I, I feel like people are not necessarily looking for truth anymore I think there's a there's this kind of this this change it's starting to happen it's it's really funny for uh, I think it was Babylon B put an article out that was like um, something about people who believe in relative truth now seeking <laughs> seeking real internet articles or something like that like <laughs> it was, it was, it was just, it, they, so much more fantastic than what I just said there. for clarification's like, sake Babylon B is a satirical website oh it's fantastic it's like the onion for people who are Christians um, in general um, but it's so yeah my my I guess my my point is my point is back what I was trying to say before was is to get people to care they have to know that there's something better out there and so the the two pieces of journalism that you mentioned um before are are fine and I I I you know I've I've listened to some of the NPR stuff but we live in a society now that is looking for something not not everybody i'm i'm just i'm making generalizations here but they're looking for sound bites and kind of like what we talked at, talked about last week um and so just because somebody's putting it out there doesn't necessarily mean that society is looking for truth or looking for what they're what they're trying to give and and to be honest like i think many of these like i think of um oh what's what's that really crazy right wing news journalism was it breitbart's or yeah breitbart um i think they think that they're claiming truth and so that's part of the issue that has muddied up the waters for well, and, and I, that's we're talking. Yeah, I, I mean, we, obviously, we're talking politics here, but I'm just saying, like in general, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the problem. Politics is definitely a proxy for religion. I mean, they're not really that different. Their belief system about well, the one is about how you think uh, a government should run, and the other one is about how you think your life should be run. I mean, in a right. super simplistic method. Um, and I think you're absolutely right in that people often don't search for truth and relativism over time has worn away at people's desire to seek honest honest truth, absolute truth. Um, but that didn't happen immediately. That hasn't always been true, and it didn't happen immediately. 
I think there's always been some level of that. There are people, there have always been people who are, would rather believe something that they know is false just because it makes them happier. It makes, <laughs> it, it makes some other bit of their life easier. Like there are people who believe that, uh, you know, we never landed on the moon despite the preponderance of the evidence. Um, nope, but they believe that <laughs> they believe that because for some reason it, it makes their life convenient better in some way shape or form at least the way they experience their life and i'm not one to to tell people how they should experience their life but what i will say is it's taken a long time for relativism to overcome the idea of absolute truth that there is one thing that is true about a given statement or maybe i should say a limited number of things that are true but there's an absolute alternative facts yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that there's a reason that that's laughable and new. That hasn't always been said that way. Um, I do believe that Donald Trump's ascendancy is relativism coming home to roost. And when when you wear away at the foundations of absolute truth, you get to a point where you're completely unmoored and untethered from any truth. You need some connection. You need whatever your claim is to be built on and absolute truth in order for it to have any truth whatsoever. And when you wear away that foundation, you get to a point where you're completely unmoored, and then you get people like Donald Trump who are willing to claim anything that makes his life better in the moment, or at least he believes makes his life better. So I understand that you're saying, you know, people, we live in a world of relativism, not absolutism, but I think that shift has happened over time. So what I'm saying is, let's perpetuate the shift in the other direction. Let's push on that pendulum. I don't think we're going to get it to swing all the way, you know, in a single election cycle for sure, and probably not in a generation. But if no one's pushing back on that pendulum, it'll never happen. And I think it's important for that pendulum to swing back to a point where you can say, that's not true, and here's why. And the person has to blush and be ashamed of themselves for believing something that's false. Um, we're well, not there, and the maybe, maybe there that are things that people there are things that people believe are are definitely true. I mean, if I walk up to you and and say, "Give me your wallet," this has been used a thousand times, but give me your wallet. Like nobody believes that that's true that that you, you that I should have their wallet. Do you know what I mean? Like there are things yes, but, that are innate. Yes, and that's what was said about uh, you know people who were born with. Certain anatomical parts were considered to be a specific gender slash sex, but that has now been decoupled, and now there's no absolute truth. Your sex or gender, I never get, remember which one's which, is now fluid, and you can choose, you, you can claim to choose to be something other than what the objective truth is. And so that was something that was just as laughable 20 years ago, probably, maybe maybe more. Um, but over time, because of the wearing wearing away of the truth of things like abortion is killing humans, I mean, I think that's pretty clear to somebody who's willing to look at the evidence and say, okay, this mass of cells has a DNA, has DNA that is different and separate from the mother that's carrying it and is capable of becoming a fully-fledged human being just as much as a one-year-old is capable of becoming a fully-fledged adult human being. Um but we've been able to say, well, that's not really murder because it's on the inside of a womb, which somehow makes it different. 
Um, and then we were willing to say marriage isn't really between a man and a woman. I mean, obviously, that's what it's been for 10,000 years, and we've classically defined it as such. But look, words are, are fluid. Let's just redefine marriage as two beings that choose to love each other. Um, and I really read a really interesting uh, op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal recently where somebody was talking about, you know, where does that stop? Can we have species fluid? Can I call myself a female wolf just because I want to? Like, who are you to tell me that that's not what I am? And so while you may chuckle at that, which you didn't, and I was kind of hoping you would, but you may chuckle at that. I what, have, I've heard it. I, I've heard. I've seen it. Like, what? What I've barrier is there? Be- and be like, are you a six-year-old? Are you a six-year-old woman? It's this like this like eight, like forty-year-old dude, you know. Um, and that's why I, I want to start filling out like job applications and such as, you know, some some female mi- disabled female mon- minority that's also a veteran. Who are you to say I'm not? Well, you never served in the armed forces. That's your opinion. I served in the armed forces I imagined. Like if you have no absolute truth, everything's just relative. In the Army. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If everything is just relative, then you can't tell me what's true and what's false. Yeah. And so that's that's what I want to push back against. And I want to say, if we don't have discussions like this, if, if we can't say, look, this is true, this is false, and here's why. You don't have to change your mind now. Just hear what I'm saying. Listen to me. And think about it. Just seriously consider it. If you can't have that kind of conversation, then we'll never get anywhere with governing a nation. The... You know, I think we're the third most populous nation and the second or third by size. So, I mean, America is, is an enormous country with enormous population and enormous potential and a government that is failing to actually better people's lives because people are not capable of having discussions about what truth is. So, yeah, that's I think, why I want to change that. I think, um, and I think we'll, we'll kind of move towards wrapping it up, but I, I think part of the issue is that we have, for some reason or other, have decided that we can't tell people that they're wrong, and I think we don't want to hurt those, um, those those individuals that we do disagree with. And so there's like obviously a whole spectrum of what that looks like. There's the people like you and I who don't mind telling people that we feel like they're wrong, um, and don't but, mind being told we're wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does go both ways. Um, and so. I guess, I guess it comes down to maybe those of us who recognize um, that there is an issue need to talk less and listen more and engage in those conversations, but let the other person do the talking and ask questions. Because I, I, I feel like um, what happens so often is we go into these conversations with these people that we disagree with and we both just kind of talk past each other rather than actually trying to take the time to understand the other person, make that your priority, not make sure they understand you. Which is why you should go back and listen to our interview with Philip Martin yeah. about you know, good communication. And yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, an important part of a conversation is the ability to listen. And I do think that people who are willing to believe in absolute truth, because as you pointed out, you know, no one disagrees that, you know, the guy who says, give me your wallet, shouldn't have your wallet. Except you missed a, an obvious point. There is one person, at least one person, that disagrees with that. The man demanding your wallet. For whatever reason, he has come to believe that your wallet should be his wallet. 
<laughs> and in a world of relativism, who are you to say that he's wrong? Now, I think what you'll say, and I think you'd be right, is that we as a culture have defined a set of laws that says he's wrong. He's in the wrong. And that's true. However, but, laws are fluid. But those laws can be changed by, exactly. by the those stroke laws can of a be pen. Changed. As so, seen. <laughs> so, so don't laugh at that and say, obviously, because that kind of obviously is what gets changed. What you need to say is look the man square in the eyes and say, why do you believe my wallet should be yours? You may very well be right. Look, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't understand. Help me understand. Because he oh, might say, "Well, actually, thinking, I'm an FBI well, agent, and you've passed through, <laughs> you've passed through a cordon, and we've actually isolated this building, so we need a, your identification. And that's why I'm asking you for your wallet." Oh, <laughs> uh, I would, I would like to leave this FBI cordoned off area now. Oh, I was um, thinking. But, well, my belief is that I shoot you with my gun if you take my wallet. <laughs> that seems like the more reasonable thing. Well, is that more reasonable? You're willing no, to kill somebody over a wallet? I'm and being and see, sarcastic. I un- I understand, but you. It's a good representation of what a lot of people do believe. Oh yeah. And so and I so then you then myself. you're in a yeah. then you're in a position where my relativism overrules your relativism because I literally have a gun and you don't. But that's where we're at right now. We're we're at the squeaky wheel and the loudest group. Um, yeah, getting, but if we're going attention, I don't agree it, with it. I'm just saying. That's if the we're team at. with the most guns, relativism wins. That is anarchy, and Honestly. that's why I want to push back against this. And if we're not willing to have this conversation, if we're not willing to listen to other people's ridiculous ideas and understand why they think that, and and if we're not able to explain why we believe what we believe, then how on earth are we ever going to be able to come to consensus? in our own lives, let alone in our public lives, in, in public governance. So that's why I want to have these conversations, because it's the place to start. You need to start somewhere. And if if we can have a generation of people who are willing to have difficult conversations about complex subjects, I have hope that we can, again, govern well. So, Andrew, do you feel dumb that you voted for Trump? Um, I did not vote for Trump. I know you didn't. Um, all right, so th- three I didn't sentence. vote for Hillary either, just for all those out there saying, oh, now I know who you voted for. You yes. don't. So same, same here, man. Same here. Um, so wrap this up in three sentences or less. Like, Give, a, give us a good summary about why, why this should be important to everybody. Sure. Difficult things are often worth doing because of the end reward. The end reward in this case is good governance and a country that is united. The difficult thing in this case is having conversations about politics and religion in a way that is meaningful, friendly, and open to new ideas and understanding. And if we can do those things, I think we have a bright future as a society. All right, cool. That's good. So, final question, since I don't know that we've done this before for each other. Um, I don't know we did. Because you, you had that crazy experience at uh, at that, um, was that South, South Korea, Korea yeah. <laughs> restaurant? <Yeah. laughs> so, I was like, wait, no, I do remember this now. Um, so, we'll, we'll go with a different one. Um, if you had to pick between Moe's, Cadoba, and Chipotle, what, what would you pick and why? First question, who's paying? <laughs> it's all expenses paid. Oh, Chipotle all day, every day. 
Okay. I think, right. <laughs> and and here's my one caveat. Uh, you didn't throw in illegal Pete's in there, um, which is a delicious small chain out. I, I'm aware of it being available in Colorado. I don't know the extent of their territory. Um, but one of the wonderful things they do is they mush everything together in your burrito. They stir it all up. So, and oh, you can nice. ask for that. You can ask for that at Chipotle, but you have to remember to do it. Like right when they're adding the last thing, you can say, hey, can you mix that all up for me? They're quick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because like if you look, glance away and all of a sudden it's all rolled up and they're charging you. So um, every bite is, is as delicious as exactly. the, the it's, next It's one. a consistent, it's not like, oh, there was all my guacamole in a single bite. Now I'm not going to have <laughs> any more guacamole for the rest of my burrito. You're like, oh man, I bit at the wrong side. <laughs> exactly. So my shout out here is for Illegal Pete's. Um, Google them, I guess. They're delicious. It's it's very Chipotle-esque. Um, probably similar pricing, similar menu, but they mush everything together for you without you having to ask. And I think they'll actually pour salsa over it too if you get it Colorado style. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. It's been years since I've been in Illegal Pete's. So. Hmm. All right, cool, cool. All right, well, hey, if, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to comment, rate us on your favorite podcast app, uh, share it. Uh, with some friends if you enjoyed it and um, if you have any suggestions we are always uh, welcome to take criticism like we said we don't mind being told that we're wrong and we enjoy learning and we've enjoyed this process and if you have any guests that you feel like they're you're like man this person would be perfect for your podcast uh, email us it's contact at why is that important dot com and um, we have next week coming up uh, a guest, Dave Burrell. He gets to travel the world doing different kind of installs for automation. Like, I don't even, I don't know that I can even explain what he does, um, but it's pretty cool. And we're going to be talking about automation. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, where this conversation goes and just how uh, he sees it impacting us in the future. So thanks again for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time and if you work for illegal Pete's in their marketing department you can also use the contact in, uh, email address uh, and get in t- touch with us and we'll tell you where to send the check so thanks for listening